0: Or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FPC. Hey, good morning, everyone. I, um, uh, you know, those these some these bumper videos for the sermon sermon bumpers, they're really cool, right? And and you probably think that they're sort of to try and get us into the groove of where we're going with the message, but. If you talk to any of the staff, they'll tell you that they're just there so that Doug knows when to go up on stage. (laughs) They're trying to train me. Um, Hey, uh, just a full disclosure, um, I'm not feeling great today. I actually started yesterday, yesterday morning, and I don't know what, a touch of appendicitis or something or other. All of a sudden, things come over me, and it's just like everything seizes up. And so... If I all of a sudden kind of go, something like that, it's just me going to be with Jesus. So (laughs) don't worry, it's all good. Um, (laughs) But I figured that you should know, just so it doesn't completely catch you by surprise. (laughs) In case, I made it through the first service, so let's just pray that we make it through the second one and then all is good. We're in the middle of a, of a series called Shots Fired, as you've seen, as you'll notice, and, and uh, I'm excited about this series. It's a series that we came across from a church in Calgary, Experienced Church, they're called, and when we saw the concept, when we saw the idea, we said, man, we got to just do this because it is such a good idea. It's such a great concept, and it, I love the series because really what it does is it takes these sayings from Jesus, these more or less one-liners that he drops on us, and It it makes us come to grips with it. He just kind of lays it all out on the table, nice and neatly and succinctly, really clearly, very concisely, and then he leaves it to us to respond. "Here's, Here's the deal, kids. And then he just lets us respond to what he's had to say. And this morning, we are looking at another doozy, I think. A couple of weeks ago, we were looking at a passage in John that was aimed at those of us that haven't come to the point yet where we've decided that Jesus Christ is God and that he's the Lord of our lives. Where We're still in that process of trying to establish, like, who is this guy? Does he have anything relevant to me uh, to say or, or what have you? And, and so it was aimed at that non-Christian sector, if you will. But this morning, we're going to flip around and we're going to look at a passage where he's speaking to those that purport to be followers of him. Jesus is looking at these people that are claiming alliance with him, allegiance with him. And he's talking to them about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so we're going to take a look at that passage. But if you're here today, and and you're not alone, there are others here, I'm sure. Every, Every week we've got people that are here checking this out who Jesus is, and it's, it's an amazing thing. We love it, and so welcome here. But if you're at that point this morning where you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, don't worry that this isn't applicable for you. This is, I think, very applicable for you. As a matter of fact, I would say that this is something that you really need to know, that you want to know before you go a whole lot further. Because if we're asking you, which we are, to place your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, to accept Him as God, to trust in His death and resurrection on the cross in order to save us from our sins, to pay the penalty on our behalf for what was duly ours, then you also need to understand what that decision will require of you thereafter. So this morning, if you're here in in that boat and you haven't made a decision about Jesus, don't tune out. Even though I'm going to be talking to, to Christians, Listen up, because this is what is required of us as Christians, and so this is something that you're going to want to know. Now, the other thing that you need to know is that the stuff that we're talking about today isn't simple and it's not easy. And you need to understand that I believe that following Jesus Christ, placing your trust in Him, your faith in Him, is the best decision that you could ever make. I think it's the most important decision that you can ever make. But it is not simple or easier to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But what I can promise you is that it's worth it. So don't get freaked out at the challenge this morning. Trust me, it's worth it. So, before we dive into this passage, would you bow your heads with me as I pray? And then we'll ask God to be with us, to speak to us, and we'll get at it. Father, this morning, by your Spirit, I pray that you would now come, that you would be here, that you would work in each one of our hearts and our minds. Lord, as I talk, I pray that we would hear from you today, that it wouldn't be my voice, it wouldn't be my words, but that it would be you speaking to each one of us and that we would hear you clearly and distinctly. That there would be no doubt in our mind that you exist, that you are alive, and that you are now speaking into our world. For the sake of your Son, for the sake of what He has done for each one of us. For the sake of what He offers to us in our need. And so I pray these things now in His name, for His sake alone. Amen. Okay. If you've got your Bibles, I'd encourage you to grab them, pull them out. If you've got it on your phone, please grab your phone, flip it open. That's cool. We love that. Uh, If you don't have then that's not a problem either. There's a Bible in front of you if you want to use that or else. The words are going to be on the screen, and we're going to be looking at a passage from Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. And so, as we come to this section in the book of Luke, you'll find that this is often referred to as the Sermon on the Plain or the Sermon on the Plateau. And it's sort of a corresponding section, if you will, to the Sermon on the Mount that we find back in Matthew Sort of a a companion piece to that. Covers some of the same things. And in it, Jesus is speaking to his followers. And what he's doing is he's defining his followers. That is to say, what a true follower of his looks like, both in character and in action. And in this particular section that we're going to look at this morning, Jesus. Lays out what he expects of his people. What his expectations for our, are, I mean, for those of us that purport that claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Specifically, he lays out for us how we're to respond to him if we believe him to be God and if we put our faith in him for our salvation. So starting in verse 46. Read along with me. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words, And does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment that torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So we come to verse 46. And Jesus looks at us and says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In other words, don't call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say. Turn to your neighbor for the last time for me and say, shot fired. Now, this is definitely a shot for me. When I hear Jesus say this, it's like a shot right across the bow of my life. Because I want to call Jesus Lord. I do call Jesus Lord. But so often, day after day, I don't want to do what he says. I don't, I don't want to do what he says. I acknowledge him as Lord, but I don't want to do the things that he tells me to do. And this morning, I don't, I don't know if that's even that big a, a confession in the scheme of things, because I think more or less we're all in the same boat. are we not? Isn't this something that we all sort of struggle with? Where we want to call him Lord, but then we want to do what we want to do. We want to go where we want to go. We want to do things the way that we want to do things. We want to be able to call the shots. We want to be able to pick our own direction. We want to set our own course. So I think that this is a problem that most of us struggle with in trying to follow Jesus. But this morning, here's what makes me concerned. I'm afraid that in our Western culture, our theology has made it largely unnecessary to follow Jesus. Maybe unwittingly, perhaps. Conveniently, we have fixated on the doctrinal elements of salvation. And in so doing, we have rendered what should be the resultant demonstrations of our faith unnecessary. Let me say that a different way. I'm concerned that in short, we have come to the point where we are presenting and or subscribing to a gospel that rests only on what we think. And then it overlooks and perhaps even omits what we are called to do. I think the North American church has been lulled to sleep. That we have been convinced that all I have to do is subscribe somewhere in my mind. And then I'm saved. I'm good to go. And on I go. Back into my life doing my own thing. Thinking that we've got the bases covered. The back door closed. And that we're going to be fine. Pastor and author Bill Hull puts it this way. We've made the test for salvation doctrinal rather than behavioral. All that matters is being able to properly articulate the doctrine of salvation. And any call for change in our behavior, that is, in how we live, is it best secondary, if not moot. In essence then, that being the case, it amounts to religious philosophy rather than true faith. It's a religious philosophy. That's all I'm subscribing to, not true faith. Now, this morning, to be sure, and I want to make sure that you know what I know. That you know I understand where our faith rests. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So this morning you need to understand that I know that our faith rests in Jesus Christ alone. God's grace revealed to us through Jesus Christ, who came and paid the penalty on our behalf. There's nothing that we can do to merit salvation in and of ourselves. We are completely and wholly insufficient to accomplish that by anything that we say, think, or do. It comes only through Jesus Christ and His grace. But, this morning, we need to understand And I think maybe we've forgotten that the proof of our faith comes in whether we actually follow Christ. Which is to say that we are called, church family, not to just believe, but to be followers of Jesus. Listen, listen, to the words that Jesus spoke to us. Jesus himself speaking into our lives, cutting to the chase, getting right down to the brass tacks about what it means to be a follower of his. Matthew 28 verses 18 to 20 part A. Jesus tells us there this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus Christ comes along, and just in case there was any doubt, he points out the fact that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. So he's coming to us with authority. He's not just some Joe Schmo. And he's not here just to tell us a little bit of something that he thinks is important. Hey, here's a nugget for you. I saw this on a dentist poster. Here's a nice word to live by. I think think it's, you know, quaint, cute. No, he comes and he says, with the authority given to me in heaven and on earth, under that authority now, I'm speaking into your life and I'm saying, I'm telling you this. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We've been busy as a church making converts. But we have been sadly lacking in making disciples of Jesus Christ both in ourselves and others. Look at Jesus in Luke 9, verses 20 to 23, 23 to 25, where he says this, Then he said to them all, again, this is Jesus speaking, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Jesus comes along, and he says, if you want to be my disciple, disciple, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, and he was talking to a crowd there. He was talking to an audience that understood what he was talking about when he was talking about taking up their cross. At that time, those people, they knew what a cross represented. And what a cross represented was nothing short of death. And an ugly, unpleasant one at that. They had seen a cross and how it was used by the Romans. That's how they crucified those that they didn't want. And so when Jesus says to take up your cross and follow me, he's telling them, if you're going to follow me, then you better be prepared to die. That is your goal today, is to get up and die to yourself so that you can follow me. In our culture today, we have trivialized and minimized that call to take up our cross. We look at that and we hear that in so many different ways. Oh, take up your cross. You might be mocked today. For following Jesus. Somebody might poke fun at you because you're one of those those religious people. And we think that that represents a cross. We're called to give up some cash to support this or that or the other thing. And we think we're taking up our cross. But Jesus is saying, No, listen, don't miss this. I'm calling you to die. What I'm calling you to do is to get up every morning and die to yourself, which is to say that you're turning from the things that you think are important, the priorities that we want to set as individuals, and we're turning towards the things that God has set out for us as priorities, for us as His followers. And He's calling us to live for Him. John 14 verse 15 says it this way, Jesus, again, speaking to us. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. That one's hard to misunderstand. If you love me, keep my commands. And then in James 2.17, James chimes in on this same topic. There he says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So if it only makes it to here, and doesn't play out out there, practically day in, day out, week by week, that faith is dead. It's going nowhere. James says. Dead in the water. And so we come back to our text again today. Verse 47. Jesus says, As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came... The torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus is pointing us to the fact that there is coming in our lives a torrent. At some point, our lives are going to be required of us. And at that point, for those of us that have built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and placed ourselves into a position where we are following His commandments day by day, Jesus says that house will be strong and saved. It will survive the torrent, the the destruction that is coming our way. But for those of us who haven't, who have heard and believed but not chosen to follow, not felt it necessary to actually then carry out and do what Christ has called us to do, that house will be destroyed. It will be lost in the torrent. True saving faith comes when we place our faith in Christ and then do what he calls us to do. So Jesus asked the question, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And this morning, having heard that question, we have to ask ourselves a further question. Which is this, is he talking to me? Is he talking to me today? If Jesus were to show up in person and talk to you and I today, would he look at me and say, Doug, dude, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Don't do what I command you to do. What would he say to you? As we examine our lives do we see ourselves? Does Jesus see us doing what he has called us to do? Living by his commands, carrying them out. In other words, have I taken my faith beyond the intellectual and into the practical? Am I living my faith out through my actions and my deeds? In other words, do I own it? Do I own my faith? You know, in talking to non-Christians, if you're in a position where you're having a conversation with them, oftentimes you'll hear... A criticism or a charge, something along the lines of, well, you Christians, you guys don't look any different than the rest of the world out there. I I hear you talking, but when I look, I see you doing exactly the same thing that I'm doing. You're, You're doing everything that I'm doing. I'm doing everything that you're doing. I see you. You're busy trying to make a living. I'm busy trying to make a living. You're busy looking after your families. I'm busy looking after my family. You're trying to be comfortable. I'm trying to be comfortable. So if that's the case, if there's no difference, then why would I bother with all this Jesus stuff? Like, why would I bother with it? Why would I get up and go to church on Sunday morning when I could be sleeping in? Because I don't see a difference day to day to day to day. And you know what? Frankly, I think they got a point. I think they've got a point. If our faith doesn't make us different than the world around us, then what do we have to offer? What are we actually calling them to do and change toward? Oftentimes, I think the only difference between us as Christians and them as non-Christians is something that we think way back in the back of our minds But Jesus is looking for more than intellectual assent today. He is looking not for just people that say they believe in him, but those that are ready and willing to follow him and to do as he commands us to do. And so we need to ask another question this morning. What does that look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus Well, first of all, I would say this. Be baptized. It's the first thing that we're called to do as Christians is to identify with Christ through baptism. Acts 2 verse 38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God calls us to make a decision with our minds and then to act by following him in baptism to stake a flag in the soil of our lives and identify with Jesus Christ as followers of his baptism back then was way more significant than it is today at that point people recognized that this could whoa, that this could this could result in my death literally that I could be martyred for this because that was seen as a challenge, as a threat to the state, as all kinds of things the religious authorities, the political authorities, the whole kit and caboodle. And they recognized that what they were being called to do was to change their lives and the way that they lived in such a way that they, they couldn't go underground with it. And so when they chose to follow Christ and when they chose to be baptized, They were planting a flag saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ, come what may. This morning, we need to plant a flag and follow Jesus Christ. Go public with it and let people know who we claim allegiance to and the fact that that's going to make a difference in our lives as we go forward from that point. We have a baptism and membership class coming up in October, October the 21st and then the 28th. And if you have not been baptized yet, I would encourage you, please come out to that class. Make that decision to follow Christ, be obedient to Him in that act. Find out about it there. Further to that, further to the act of baptism. By some counts, there are another 211 things that Jesus outlined that we are to do throughout his teaching. So if you've got your pens and papers, number one. (laughs) Just kidding. We won't go through them all today. Instead, I've got a better idea, I think. Bill Hull in his book, The Complete Book of Discipleship, breaks down what it looks like to be a disciple into five pieces and we're going to quickly take a look at those five areas. Five aspects that we are called to live out in our lives as followers of Christ. The first one is this. Number one, a disciple submits to a teacher that teaches them how to follow Jesus. Hebrews 13 verse 17 says this. Have confidence in your leaders. And submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Now I've chosen that voice verse. It's it's a a verse that applies more to the idea of being in church and following the leaders that God has set out to you in church, which is to say that in finding somebody that you can submit to and that can teach you about the ways of Jesus Christ, I would encourage you, first of all, to find a Bible-believing church. Doesn't have to be FBC. You can choose a second-rate one if you want. I'm just kidding again. There's great churches out there. If they believe and follow Scripture, then dive in. Pick one and get involved. Come out. Become a member. Place yourself under that, the authority of that body. Because if you're like me, I can rationalize my way out of something six ways from Sunday if I choose to. And I need somebody to be able to speak into my life that's looking out, watching out, and saying, hey, dude, Doug, I hear your voice, I see your lips moving, but I don't see the actions. I'm not, I'm not seeing it. We need, we need that. So join a church. Remember those baptism and membership classes, October 21st and 28th. We'll tell you about why we think you should join us here. But pick somewhere. And be a part of it. Be a part of a small group. That gets even better yet. It gets a little bit closer, a little bit more intimate. People that know you better can speak into your lives. are more acquainted with what's going on and where you're at. And, and finally, pick someone that you will submit to. That you will give permission and authority to speak into your world. And say, hey dude, how are you doing? What's going on? Where are things at? I think I sense a problem. And commit to that for one another. Number two, a disciple learns Jesus' words. 2 Timothy 2 verse 15 says this, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Present yourself to God. Give yourself to following His Word. Learning about it, understanding it, and applying it. It's a great verse. But there's also this one here. Psalm 119, sorry, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart, that I may not sin against you. If we claim to follow Jesus Christ, to put our faith in Him because of what He has done, because He is God and that He came and paid the penalty for our sin and has restored us to a relationship with Him as God, And out of gratitude for that, I want to hide His Word in my heart so that I don't sin against Him after everything that He has done for me. We need to learn Jesus' words and follow them. Number three, a disciple learns Jesus' way of ministry. Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We need to follow Jesus' way of ministry, which is to say that we need to learn to walk in the way of love. Day by day, person by person, issue by issue, circumstance by circumstance, to walk in the way of love and to then give ourselves up. Give our lives away as a fragrant offering to God, saying, Take my life and use it. I love, I love the words that we just sang in the songs. If we, if we took the songs that we've sung this morning and we just committed to doing them, we wouldn't need this message today. The one line just wrecks me every time. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. There's a prayer. There's a prayer. That if I could be everything I am for Christ's cause, touch, Damn. Well done. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Number four, a disciple imitates Jesus' life and character. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1 says, Follow my example. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We're to follow the example of Christ. That our lives would imitate his. That when people see us, that they would catch a little glimpse of Jesus. Number five. A disciple finds and teaches other disciples who also follow Jesus. 2 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. And he says this, Then you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, and I just want to make a note of this here. Be strong in the grace. Remember we said we were saved by grace, but it isn't passive. It's what God has done for us. By His grace, He has saved us. But then now Paul's calling us to be strong in it, which is to say, take action in that grace. Don't just receive it. Now put it into practice. Be strong. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Oh, we don't like that one, do we? (laughs) Number five, can we just scratch that? I want to rationalize my way out of that, and I can rationalize my way out of that really fast. Who am I to be speaking into somebody else's life? If they could just see me, they understood me for who I am really, I've got nothing to offer. So I can just bypass that one. I'd be doing them a favor, frankly, if I didn't try and disciple anyone. Or I can look around and say, I've got so many things to do. I've got so much stuff to happen. Surely you can't be serious about me actually having to find somebody and disciple them. And then let alone, are you crazy? Are you, It's just ludicrous. I've got to find somebody that's reliable so that they can actually take what I teach them and turn around and teach it to others. And you're trying to say that I should be responsible for that? I don't want to be responsible for myself, let alone for somebody else doing them what they're supposed to do. But that's what God is calling us to do. That's what Jesus is calling us to do. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. As a church, we have forfeited ground on this territory. And as a result of that, because we haven't been out there taking this responsibility seriously, our world is where it is today. That's where, that's why we're at. We all go home and we shake our heads at what's going on around us in the world. And and here's the problem. It's you and I not doing our job. It's you and I rationalizing our way out of becoming and being followers of Jesus Christ. That's our problem. That's you and me. We've got ourselves to blame. These are the five categories that demonstrate what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, I think we've even done it a little bit better than Bill Holt points out here. They're the four things that we've got right there. Those things encompass and encapsulate what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. As we think big, as we think small, as we think in, as we think out. That's why we're dead set, sold out on those those things. That's who we need to be. That's us. That's what we're called to do. Think big, think small, think in and think out. This morning, can I ask you another question? Are these five categories, are these four things representative of your life? Are they characteristic of your life? Jesus says they need to be. Jesus says they need to be. And now He's re- awaiting our response. Let's pray. Father, God forgive us for having reverted, compromised our faith, allowed it, allowing it to be distilled down into just some sort of intellectual allegiance. Father, this morning by your Spirit would you come upon us and would you change us as your people to be followers of your Son Jesus? Motivate us, convict us, convince us, inspire us, equip us, To go out and live for him. That we wouldn't just call him Lord, Lord, but that we would do what he commands us to do. Make us into that church, God. Make us into those people that would have a difference, that would play a part in helping to bring about your kingdom. Everything that we are, God, for your kingdom's cause. And I pray these things now in your precious name and for your sake alone. Amen.